It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. To my first and aforementioned guest, the Florida Speaker of the House, Chris Sprouls, joins me again. Uh, Chris, uh, been a busy legislative session, the news today, uh, lots of stories still out there. So uh, let's dive in, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great, David. It's great to be with you. Well, yeah, there's a lot on the table. I literally just had to search Florida legislative session. The news populates everywhere. Wins, losses, questions to be asked. You know, I'd like to start with first your summary of how things wrapped up. Then we'll get into specific bills and areas of uh, of interest. Well, I appreciate that. I think, look, I think things are wrapping up splendidly. I mean, the reality is we came into the session uh, with, with some goals in mind. You know, I've talked to you in the past about, you know, the initiative that we had in the House um, to tackle the fatherhood, uh, the fatherlessness crisis here in the state of Florida and really an epidemic across the country. But we wanted to be the model. Um, we, you know, we passed that bill um, off the House floor, off the Senate floor after doing a, a large press conference on the steps of the Capitol with dozens and dozens of House members and senators. Uh, so that was a huge initiative uh, for the House and Senate. You know, in addition to that, you know, we passed the 15-week abortion ban, uh, you know, to protect life at the 15-week mark to, to you know, get behind on the Dobbs case, uh, the Mississippi case that's in front of the United States Supreme Court. And, and it's been a session about empowering parents. I mean, whether that's in uh, you know, K through 12 in the, in the parental rights bill, House Bill 1557, to make sure that our, our kids um, are not being exposed to, to content too early uh, without their parents' permission. We're, we're making sure that, that parents are in charge. We're also making sure that people get treated fairly. Uh, House Bill 7, which was our individual freedoms bill, you know, it says something very controversial, David, uh, which is, you know, you treat everybody the same, regardless of their race or their sex. Um, you don't teach, you know, you know radical theories, um, you know, like like CRT that tell people that, you know, they're bad because of their race or, or you know, they're bad because of their gender. That's not appropriate any time. Um, you know, we make sure that happens, whether it's in our K through 12 system, or our higher education system. Uh, so it's been a it's been a session about empowering individuals, empowering people and making sure that the state is set up for the long term, which is why we passed a massive cybersecurity package, uh, because we know that the threats from from Russia and from other places are, are growing. And we want to make sure our state is protected. Let's dive into uh, some specific issues and get an update from you. Again, my guest, Chris Sprouls, the Florida Speaker of the House. Uh, Fiona McFarland joined me last week as you were getting close to the end of session. The data privacy bill, uh, a big issue. Uh, What's the status of the bill? It was well supported in the House. There were questions about the Senate. And what happened? Well, the, the, you know, I think the president said that, you know, it doesn't look like the Senate's going to take it up this year and, and get it done. And look, I think it's going to end up being a, a, an issue for for years to come. I mean, the reality is, uh, David, that, you know, there's there's very few people in the traditional sort of lobbying space that want data privacy. Right. There's lots of people on the other side who, who don't want it, you know, big corporations. And it's a multi trillion dollar global industry. So at some point, you know, we're going to have to make a decision about where we come down as a state on data privacy, obviously. You know where I come down and, and Fiona McFarland and, and, uh, and other members, which is, look, we believe that individuals should be in charge of their digital p- footprint. And they should be able to tell uh, a corporation that when they go online not to collect, not to use their data to sell it to third parties, not to share it with third parties. Um, this is the new, you know, our new digital footprint is the new kind of frontier of privacy. And I'm, what I'm proud about, David, is that not only are we leading by, you know, continuing to advance that issue, but it's not the only privacy issue that we've led on. 
you know, we were the first, we're, I think we're still the only legislative chamber in America to pass a bill prohibiting insurance companies from getting your DNA and using it to write, you know, life and disability insurance that could potentially price you out. Um, so, you know, we're living in a time where you have, you know, global corporations who want to own your personal information and sell it at their will. We live in a time where we have, you know, insurance companies who want to get access to your genetic code and use it to set your rates. So, you know, it's a dangerous time, I think, for, for individual freedom. And if we don't continue to be vigilant and push the ball forward, you know, as a state and as a country, you know, we're going to find that it's the large corporations who are in charge of all of our private information. You know, it used to be the threat was government. And candidly, while the threat is always government from a conservative perspective, you know, the, the corporate threat, I think, is, is just as big, if not larger, and, and currently going, I think, in, in a lot of ways, uh, unchecked. But I believe in the Florida House, you know, we've done a great deal to, uh, to put that back into perspective and back into check. For Floridians between now and the next session, when it's likely and it looks like the bill will be brought up again on data privacy, uh, what do you say to them? On data privacy, I, look, I'd say that, you know, this data privacy is something that, that, that needs to happen. We want to protect Floridians, and, and we have to do it in the right way, and we have to be aggressive about it. You know, the House has been aggressive the last two years about protecting data privacy, and what I would tell them is that there are fighters who are still in this fight. You know, I'm still in this fight. You know, Representative Fiona McFarland, who just did an incredible job, David, um, you know, getting that bill uh, off the House floor. And what's more, you know, stood in committee by herself, um, with, you know, 300 lobbyists who were, you know, signed up to advocate against the bill on behalf of, of big corporate interests. And she stood her ground um, and the Florida House stood her ground. So, I mean, I'm very proud of our members. And I think that this is going to continue to happen, which it's interesting is in the middle of all this, there's a poll that comes out. And not surprisingly, you know, 96 percent of people, you know, support data privacy um, and the fact that, you know, the, the government should get involved in saying that, you know, corporations don't own our personal information. We own our personal information. All right, let's move to something else that probably grabbed even more headlines in social media. The left-wing media titled it the Don't Say Gay Bill. We saw uh, Democrats in Tallahassee around Florida, probably around the country for that matter, making clever videos for their part. First of all, what's in the bill what does it say, and why was it, in your opinion, being attacked and renamed into "Don't Say Gay"? Yeah, it sort of wins like the the you know, as far as the reporting goes, the biggest you know manufacture farce award uh, of the legislative session. You know, they they call it the "Don't Say Gay" bill, except that's nowhere in the actual bill itself. You know, the irony here, and I've said this multiple times, is if it's a four-page bill, it's double-spaced. And those words never appear. But what words do appear is that it says that in grades K, pre-K through three. So we're talking about five-year-olds here. I mean, just let's get some perspective. We're talking about five-year-olds that there can't be classroom-led instruction. That means the teacher's coming in the middle, in the, the beginning of the morning, and saying, "Kids, today we're going to learn about this." And what they can't have classroom-led instruction on is things like, you know, uh, transgender or sexual orientation and things like that. And the reality is, is that this has been hijacked by the media. It's been hijacked by the left to, to say that, you know, this is some sort of, you know, a bigot bill. And the reality is nothing could be further from the truth. We are living in a time where people in, in government, people in bureaucracies, people in, you know, nonprofits are wanting to decide when and how 
our children learn about complicated topics. And what we have consistently said as the legislature is that is not appropriate. The parents should be deciding when and how those kids learn about those complicated topics. And look, David, I'm a parent. I'm realistic. I realize that our kids are going to come home and they're going to have heard things or see things that, you know, maybe we weren't ready for. But at least we have then the opportunity to put that into context in the way that we, we think is appropriate. It's no different than what we did last year. Uh, which is, you know, making sure that when it came to sex education, which there was some really alarming material that they were using to, to educate these kids about what that is. And, and we said, look, you know, if you want to opt out of, of the class, you look at the material as a parent, you say, look, I don't want to do that. I'll have that conversation with my child the way that I want to. You are empowered to do that. The, what the bill also said was that you can't keep things from parents. If you're going to put a student on some sort of plan, and I just want to, you know, to explain what that means, that means if, if they wrote down on a piece of paper and said, I'm going to put your child on a, you know, a uh, gender transition plan, or I'm going to write down on a piece of paper and say, you know, we're putting you on a anti-bullying plan and, you know, you're going to eat lunch every day with your teacher away from all of the kids. If you're a parent, you would want to know that. <laughs> You'd want to know that your kid is going through something so that you can engage, you can help them, you can love them. And, and there's, you know, there's individuals who, uh, school districts, <clears throat> who want to keep that kind of information from parents. So, you know, all we say is, look, you have to engage the parent in the lives of their child. There's nothing radical about it. There's nothing nefarious about it. There's nothing bigoted about it. it is, if anything, if we are putting parents at the center of this conversation because we know, we know that they are in the best position to love their child and take care of them. Yeah, and for the record, this is the parental rights in education bill. Uh, so the accurate name there, but like you said, big manufactured uh, event uh, for the left, the left wing, the activists who were there in Tallahassee and around the state of Florida. You know, uh, just staying there for a moment before we go to some other issues. And there was a long list of bills, Chris. I, I looked up both the House and the Senate. You guys have certainly been busy. Uh, you know, as a model for other states, and we've seen the fights uh, by parents out there all across the country, and I would think even irrespective of governorships, maybe even some of the li more liberal-run states, parents are beginning to demand more and more that they be involved. You're a father, you're a parent, and, and you understand this, but, you know, for other states out there that are watching, is this something that you think can be replicated uh, based on, you know, your efforts here in Florida. Yes, I do. And I, I look, I think the, po the power, uh, the parental empowerment movement is, is well underway. And I, look, there's a lot of terrible things that came out of the pandemic, government overreach, you know, the fact that people, you know, got sick, we lost people throughout the country. But the reality is one of the good things that has come out about it, I think, is that, you know, you had so many children who were out of school, their parents were, you know, were trying to educate them and became hyper aware of the kind of things that were going on in schools, the things that they were being taught, the way that they were being taught, the kind of non-traditional academic things that were creeping their way into the school district. And they pushed back and, and they realized that, you know, we got to get in the game as parents and that over the years, government has taken more and more um, of parenting responsibility. And, and in fairness, I think the, the legislatures in, in different states have given you know more responsibility to the districts that that really is a parent responsibility. So this isn't this issue isn't going away in the broader context. I don't think parents are willing to take a back seat when it comes to their child's education. Uh, you know, in my experience, David, both as a parent and as a lawmaker, you know, there is nothing, no issue that galvanizes people 
like their children, whether that's in school choice, whether it's making sure they have you know, say in what their kids are learning. There is nothing that motivates people like the love of their child and making sure that you know, they're doing everything they can to do what's best for them. So this issue isn't going away. Parents are taking their rightful place in charge of their child's education. And as a matter of fact, uh, in Georgia, the state senators have introduced a bill there, SB 613, uh, very similar, based on the Florida Parental Rights in Education bill. My guest, Florida Speaker of the House, Chris Sprouls. All right, my friend, the uh, we'll have a little football fun, the two-minute drill. So to wrap up the session for the audience, the wins, the losses, maybe a couple of draws, and what to look forward to next. Well, I appreciate that. Look, you know, huge win on tackling the fatherhood crisis, uh, you know, in, in the state. I think it's going to end up being a model for the country, protecting life um, with our House Bill 5, you know, protecting, you know, life at the 15-week mark uh, has passed both legislatures on its way to the governor, passing individual freedoms, making sure that people are treated as individuals and there's not, you know, ra- radical ideology that pushes people down. We want to lift people up. You know, protecting parental rights in House Bill 1557 and putting parents in charge of their children's education. And House Bill 3 is another one that I think is, is worth noting, which is, you know, our law enforcement bill, which you know, creates all kind of incentives for law enforcement, making sure their kids get priority um, in, in choice education and lots of other things. Really sending the message, David, that here in the state of Florida, you know, we are the most pro-law enforcement state in the entire country. Chris, great work for the session. There's always going to be more to do, and uh, thank you. Thank you, David. Chris Sprouls, Florida Speaker of the House. Uh, It's not over just because session's out. We'll be following a lot of issues throughout the year and in all the states. But uh, Georgia patterning themselves after Florida's parental rights and education bill. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon East on Sirius XM Patriot 125.